I am Varun Goenka, founder and CEO of ChargeUp. I'm sure you would have seen the small e-rickshaws outside metro stations, the kind that will drop you to your home. You may be surprised to know, but for last mile connectivity, these e-rickshaws are one of the most pervasive forms of transportation. The thing about this booming e-rickshaw economy is that it needs a robust battery swapping infrastructure because these rickshaws are frequently driven by migrant workers who don't have access to charging infra. ChargeUp is a startup chasing this massive opportunity and in this episode your host Akshay Dutt speaks to Varun Goenka, the founder of ChargeUp. Varun talks about the large opportunity in battery swapping and how they have used smart tech to build an asset-light multi-location chain for charging points and how they are enabling entrepreneurs as a part of their business model. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis Podcast and any audio streaming app to learn how to spot opportunities and build a business smartly using tech. I got to learn about this, you know, the power sector, the energy sector during that time, clean energy and all. And 2010-11, there was a new regulation by the government of India on green trading of green certificates, uh, similar to carbon credits. And that's something uh, drew my interest. And 2011, I started my first company focused on this specific segment. Uh, we became the member of Power Exchange. And that is where I uh, took the initial funding from a... Uh, you know, a relative in Delhi took him as an investor in that company and started that company. So this green certificate is like a tradable certificate. Like it has some monetary value and you can... Absolutely. Companies can get themselves certified and earn green certificates and those certificates can be a revenue source for that company. So how does a company earn green certificates? So basically, what I, uh, it was there's a regulation. People who are generating power on uh, electricity on uh, you know, renewable ways will be issued green certificates as an incentive and people who are consuming power on conventional sources need to buy these certificates as a obligation so and there was a marketplace there was a power exchange on which we used to trade these certificates okay 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 so renewable energy means like solar wind absolutely solar wind hydro okay okay so you would help these companies uh, to comply with the norms take care of documentation help it's like a consulting Entire consulting, consulting, trading of these certificates. And what was your monetization? You would keep a percentage of revenue that they earned from it or? Yes, yes. we used to have a revenue share with them. It's a win-win for them. They don't have to invest anything upfront. And they will, I mean, they will pay you only when they are earning money. So it doesn't hurt them. So how big was this business? Like what kind of earning potential did it have? And tell me a bit about the that journey of growing it up. That was a very uh, a journey like a heartbeat because there are too, too many ups and downs. When we started, we like uh, did a, a superb revenue. We did around 11 CR of top line and a very good bottom line into that business. But uh, here, top line is defined as what? Like the total, like the gross or your share of revenue? We did. Uh, no, the top line is the value we have traded. The value. Okay. That's like a GMV, basically. And, uh, you know, the first year was absolutely brilliant. We were on the cloud nine. And uh, second year, the market crashed and we were burning money on that. Because of certain gap from the government policy side, there were too many sellers who came on board. There were not much buyers who were complying to the obligation. Okay. 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 The norms to comply were not strong enough. So... Not everybody was. So that that crash made us uh, think through and look through to pivot from trading to other sources. And that's where we landed up into solar. We we started doing uh, complete turnkey solar projects. What does that mean, doing a turnkey solar project? Like somebody who wants... So solar is like there's someone is manufacturing panels, someone is manufacturing inverters, someone manufacturing battery. So we come in as a system integrator where we say we'll design the project for you, will source this, install this, maintain this for you. So, but, but you know, Akshay, uh, even that was something where we were not uh, ready to do things in a conventional manner. So we first identified the industry, oil industry, that was all petrol pumps. We uh, made a new norm. We made a standard product, a st standard solar kits. So it was like a commodity what we created. 
and all these petrol pump owners could just see what suits their requirement they could buy the commodity that product and it went off so well that we became one of the largest suppliers of these kits to indian oil uh, we designed it for sr we designed it for bpcl so we became synonymous with solar for oil industry it was atlanta energy wow and it's an interesting name atlanta energy like why did you choose this name easy to remember people used to call like that that you know uh, simple and easy okay and what was the way in which you were selling it was it a one time cost or was it like you were selling electricity like per your kilowatt hour no no we were one time it was not a recurring thing we were selling the whole project you they were buying the whole project at one single cost and then they would pay you some amc yeah, for maintenance okay. and how did that business do like what kind of revenues did you see there how did that scale yeah the, the business grew really well we did exceptionally good but over years what happened uh, firstly while doing this business we missed the bus of the larger projects which was happening in selling electricity in solar the resco model because we didn't had the understanding and knowledge at that point of time you know how that operates also the business we were into it after certain time it became too much crowded since there was not much entry barrier into it and uh, it became more of a brick and mortar business that's where you know uh, we kind of uh, reduced the whole volume and started focusing on only specific products in government sector and by that time my family they also stepped in they started looking into that business then charge up happened and then I stepped out from that okay so how did charge up happen tell me about that <laughs> well so that's also very interesting you know there was some, so there was no such plan to come into ev in fact okay i used to stay in central delhi and there used to see a lot of those e rickshaws the tuk tuks and that was the lifeline for all the last mile connectivity so during one of my ride while i was going from patel nagar to kanot place the rickshaw stopped in between i had to change the vehicle because the battery has drained out completely that made me research through it think through it and find out what is it why the industry is facing and how large is the industry and at the same time i met someone from my old solar uh, days a colleague who kind of connected me with uh, you know my co-founder who was also working into the similar e-rickshaw battery thing and he thought that since i have been synonymous with petrol pump he is looking at ev these two could have a match and that is where we connected on the same problem area and we started our research together for 8 9 months into this okay so like was this a big opportunity just to give you in answer the numbers 2018 when we started doing this there was 2 million e-rickshaws in india on road which was more than the total ev sold in china okay the it's more spread towards the concentration more towards northern belt and towards eastern belt of india so this is like a last mile solution but it is not like a covered auto right it has that like that yes like a cycle rickshaw except that it's like battery powered and with a small motor ah no outstates a cusp between the cycle and the auto what did you see as the opportunity there like what was the existing way in which these e-rickshaws were managing their charging what did you see that the opportunity lies in see firstly um very frankly that time we did had any such vision or anything we just saw that there is a industry which is very large secondly there is there's a huge pain area they buy these batteries which has to be replaced every 6 to 8 months they have to charge it for 10 hours a day and there was enough demand in the industry but they could only cater 50% of that because of this range anxiety and this capital investment so the pain area was very high for this second thought across globe in any ev industry you'll see there's a chicken and egg situation vehicle first or infra first here already we had 2 million vehicles so that was solved and um, you know we also were very clear on this one conceptually like today when we buy any normal a petrol or diesel vehicle we don't buy the fuel for 3 years we just buy the vehicle so wait for ev buy the vehicle not the fuel for 3 years Now, all these things combined we said okay battery as a service battery swapping actually is the solution for them paper use no strings attached the drivers if we can impact their lives if they can run more they can earn more is what as charge up would like to do okay got it so is there a standard battery across all e-rickshaws or uh, uh, like each uh, brand has their own format and so when we talk about the three wheeler industry we could standardize it up to a certain extent interestingly three wheelers have a large mechanical boxes and a standard electrical platform so the batteries which we introduced the advanced lithium batteries these are lightweight plug and play could fit in any vehicle okay okay so irrespective of the manufacturer you were able to design a battery that would 
work in any e-rickshaw. Okay, amazing. Okay. Tell me something. So you said that the demand was only 50% met. This you're talking of the demand for e-rickshaw as a last mile mobility solution. Absolutely. See, uh, if you put it, these rickshaws are actually carrying almost 60-70 million people every day. So there was enough demand. The problem was because of the battery issue, they could not do much. So prior to charge it, they were running only 70-80 kilometers per day and earning around 850 rupees. With charge up, what we triggered for them was they were now they are doing 140 kilometers earning 1800 rupees a day. So there's a new shift and from 10 hours charging to a two minute so option and very few businesses are able to give you such opportunity where other than the market opportunity, you are able to impact the lives of the people at the bottom of pyramid and in a cleaner way. Are there uh, as many regulations for ESA as compared to the three-wheeler auto rickshaw? No, not. It's not that regulated. Okay. Okay, like for a three-wheeler auto rickshaw, you need a license, and there are limited licenses. And being an electric, yeah, being an electric vehicle, uh, these are exempted from majority of this RDO license, lot of things. Oh wow! Okay, I believe for auto rickshaw, the way it operates is most people who are driving they take that on a daily rent or something like that. Uh, how does it happen in e-rickshaws? So okay, in autos also there is a uh, both the kind of thing exist: drivers who own the vehicle and drivers who run on rent. Uh, same thing happens in e-rickshaw also. But in e-rickshaw, 71% of the population is driver-owned vehicles. So the one... Because the cost is low. Okay. So tell me that uh, the zero to one journey, when you thought of it and then how did you launch it? You must have tried different things before you finally found success in one model. What were those experiments you did along the way before you found success? And I just want to go through that journey with you. Actually, there were a lot of puzzle pieces which we had to solve for this. Where... It started with our first station deployment, which area we need to deploy it. From there to getting the first set of drivers to, you know, because there was no benchmarking, there was no precedence to experience this. So I think, you know, the first one month, we had to really devote time into getting the first set of drivers on our platform, for which we had to try different ways of marketing, incentivizing. But even before that, you would have had to figure out the battery, right? To create a compatible battery that works across and how to manufacture it or how to procure it. Uh, how did you do all of that? Like, So that was something we did before starting the company. Uh, while we were doing our research, my co-founder was already, he had worked out a battery design and product. So that's something we zeroed on before starting the business. Because from I come from energy storage background. And I knew that your entire business, the trust of the consumer and the whole unit economics is dependent on the battery technology. So that needs to be sorted first. If that's not sorted, you can't start this business. Very clear. And how did you procure them? Like, were they made to order? Were you able to buy them off the shelf? Did you import them? No, so it was, the batteries, those are also very new batteries. So um, we initially procured them to uh, start our product market fit and pay for that. And... Uh, Procuring the first set of batteries, our first challenge was to get the drivers on board. But even procuring the batteries would have been a little challenging, right? To find the right vendor, to do the quality testing, and there must have been minimum order quantity. Um, I think that's the thing what a, a Marwadi Banya guy do uh, before starting a business. He he first solves the most challenging thing. So my co-founder's parent company was already into that line of business. So so they could make and supply us the most you know, reliable battery technology. Okay, interesting. Which company is that? Like, is it a brand I would have heard of? Or it's like a... Uh, no, Green Fuel Energy Solutions. They are primarily uh, into CNG components. Okay, okay, okay. They would be like already importing batteries from China and supplying to various OEMs and all. No, no, no. Uh, so interestingly, they have done their own designing or their own patent on the design of the battery. And they were making the most premium batteries till date in India. So they're manufacturing in India. Okay. They're manufacturing in India. Okay. And these are built for EVs only, the batteries that they're manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. These are specifically for EVs, two and three wheel industry. Which location did you decide to start your pilot with? East Delhi. And so tell me about that, getting that adoption. What did you offer to a driver? What was the, like, what was the package? What was the product? What was the pricing? See, I think we... We onboarded our driver who was like another leader in that area as an influencer. And we subsidized his pricing on Perswa and we incentivized him on getting, you know, attaching more drivers. So at least for, you know, the first three months, that is how we 
got that build the trust among the tribal community and you know what was the pricing like what were you selling so price of time we were doing uh, 150 rupees for a single soap and there was some deposit or yes we uh, do do take certain deposits initially from tribal because you are giving them one battery which they are walking away with so you need to have some security Actually, frankly, uh, the amount that deposit is uh, just a fraction of the battery cost. Uh-huh. It's more about the mindset that they have some money deposited with us. That's it. Not it doesn't cover anything on the battery side. Right, skin in the game, basically. See that that risk initially we had to take because there was a lot of myth around it. He the drivers will take away the battery. They won't return. Uh, even that time, our tech IT infra was not completely settled or implemented. That risk we had to take. That was our time. and uh, that is and that's an interesting find out for us that the drivers never stole the batteries because they were able to earn from it not a single incident in last 3 and a half years on that wow amazing okay okay so for a driver the pitch was that uh, this is a superior battery it will give you more range uh, and pay 150 rupees to swap it in 2 minutes instead of charging for 10 hours it will make you more productive so akshay um, all this pitch didn't worked frankly the simple thing was you have your existing battery don't sell it keep it at home start using this one you are already your char- cost of charging and amortization cost of batteries 200 i'm giving this in 150 do a trial if you like it use it over a time it is the drivers who came and started telling us ki sir the battery is almost 100 kg lighter so i can easily now go to you know the steep the steep roads uh, you know my vehicle performance is getting better At charge up, you have committed 80 kilometers. I am getting 100 kilometers in a single swap. That is where the word of mouth and that trust started building up. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, fascinating. So, what was the role of tech here? Like you said, your tech was not ready yet. Uh, what did you see as the role of technology in this? See, at the initial stage, the tech's role was more towards the asset securitization, was giving a safe and reliable ride to the user. See, I mean, these batteries are dumb in nature. It's the IT tech which makes them smart. So we install an IoT telematics within every battery, which gives us the the driver data, the geolocations, which also tells about the behavior of the battery and the behavior of the driver, which helps us in preventive maintenance for the batteries as well. How does driver behavior affect battery performance? A lot. His driving patterns. How many times he is giving uh, using a brake? Whatever rash driving he is doing. What is his average kilometers he is doing? How many times he is standing idle by switching on the vehicle? So a lot of this kind and. It's not only battery, but also the driver patterns. What are his routes from where he is detouring for a swap? So we need to plot another station in which location. Uh, what time of? How is his performance during weekdays and weekend? What are his peak hours? So a lot of data about the driver. Okay, okay, okay. So this was like a sim-enabled battery, which was able to send data back to you real time about the the GPS coordinates and probably the charge level and okay. So, were you able to also do like send a notification to a driver your battery will get over in ten kilometers and stuff like that? Like, ah, uh, initial days not. <clears throat> Now with our uh, the driver app, the drivers do get uh, automated notifications on how much kilometers is left, where is the nearest stop station, where need to stop it. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so from that one. charging point you started and what was that one charging point you started what did it look like was it like a shop where you had batteries stored on racks and you would swap them yeah it was a very indianized desi simple store where we had the swapping cabinets where we used to charge the batteries the driver used to come that uh, they didn't they didn't need any assistance they could just plug out and do the swapping and back on roads so it's just 2 minutes and they're back on road it was self service like they could pick up a battery on their own so it was a self service but yeah it was more, you know it was not an unmanned station it was a manned station yeah because for payment uh, you need somebody there payment is there still i think in india today we as individuals we have not graduated to fill the petrol diesel cars on our own i can't expect the same with these drivers i want them to be a little pampered that way okay so okay so and how much did that station start earning you the first station charging station It started earning what uh, in in the first quarter of operations, I think around fifty sixty thousand per month. It started generating revenue. We first we started for the first. Uh, in fact, we started in twenty nineteen, and then there was COVID. But still, we were clear that until unless we solve all the pieces from battery to IT to the financial model and business model, we are not going to expand our network. 
And in very interestingly, Akshay, uh, in the first year of our operations, uh, we were part of one uh, Thai Delhi CNBC Young Pulse program where we got a, a half a million check investment. This was like a Shark Tank kind of an event. Just like a Shark Tank, but we didn't took that money at that point of time. Oh, you didn't? Okay, why is that? Uh, the business model was not ready. Number one, number two, we learn it later. When you're getting money, you should take it. What do you mean the business model was not ready? What was the gap in it and how did you fix it? So, Chip, um, during the initial months, we were figuring out the customer behavior. What are their preferences? What are their non-negotiables? What is What will make them stick to this solution? And how far the solution can go? You know, there were a lot of questions around swapping versus charging or why they should not. So, those are things we were trying to figure out in that. What we understood that, number one, for two and three wheel industry, especially commercial segment, this is the only solution which is going to work. And two... Why do you feel that way? See, uh, with swapping in the commercial segment, when you do, firstly, you reduce the cost of asset by 40%. You're removing the battery from the vehicle. Your cost of ownership reduces by 40%. Secondly, you know, in commercial sector, you can't afford a downtime. In EVs, 90% of downtime is because of batteries. So you're removing that downtime issue. And lastly, we are enabling, we are giving the drivers free to run more and earn more. They can go beyond their existing geography of 10-15 kilometers. And today, they are doing outside that geography of North Delhi or Gurgaon, Noida and expanding. Okay, got it. Okay. And okay, so so you said first was this part of the puzzle of swapping versus charging. What else was there in the business model? So, um, understanding the customer behavior now, you know, we need to figure out what type of network we need to build. After we launched our first service battery as a service from a single location, we just solved the capital problem for them and the charging problem. But the range anxiety still existed because for a swap, they had to come back to the base location. That's why we decided we have to be in every pin code. And the driver should not even take a U-turn for a swap. It should be on his way. Now for to build that, what type of dealership models have to be there? How we can scale it faster? So we worked out an asset light model where we don't buy the batteries, we procure them on lease. We worked out a dealership model where we'll be utilizing the small space of these, you know, small SMEs into battery business, automobile business. So from where there's a more visibility for the driver and he can swap at any location. So in a way, we became the 7-Eleven of that industry. We are on every side of the road. A driver doesn't even need a tech to figure out where charger press. What is, uh, so in this franchising model where you appoint dealers who do this, so how much space does it need from them? Uh, uh, minimum of 50 square feet. Okay. And the, you would have some sort of branding also that you would give them so that it's recognizable. Absolutely. So, uh, visibility to charge up branding is what we have to do for sure. But interesting for this dealer community, this was a, something a very lucrative offer, but you know, it took us really good time for us to crack that dealership thing. So for a dealer, there is no working capital required, no marketing, no maintenance. And from this existing place, existing manpower, he can just do this business and earning the highest returns. What kind of returns? Like 150 rupees per swap is what you are charging. Uh, we, we pay him uh, some commission per swap. And uh, you know, the dealer most recovers his investment in six months. Okay. What does he need to invest? So he invests some money into the charging infrastructure, the swapping cabinet, what we pay. So that is where his investments come Okay, 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 got it, okay. So what are the economics then for like for every dealership which gets set up, how much do you earn? How much does the dealer earn on a monthly basis? See, for a dealer, as I said, uh, the investment he makes, he covers that in six months time. So he's investing somewhere 70 to 80 grand and he recovers that in six months time. For charge up, we are unit positive from first month because as we are taking these batteries on lease and they, we are further in a way uh, selling them on the subscription model. Well, you know, there's a gap between the lease cost and the subscription model. Revenue starts increasing substantially because the lease is fixed, whereas the revenue keeps on increasing as the asset utilization, asset rotation keeps on increasing. Okay, okay, got it. So, for example, you might be paying, let's say, 5,000 rupees monthly lease on a battery. Now, if that battery is getting turned around twice in a day, so that's 300 rupees per day in 30 days, so that's that is what you earn from it. But if it is lower utilization, if it's getting turned around once a day, then so it, it depends on that basically, how frequently that battery is getting turned around. That's, that's what our capabilities are, that how we can actually efficiently rotate or you know, utilize the asset. 
so how do you bring in efficiencies so oh, there are different ways uh, in in terms of the you know we understand the peak hours off peak hours our prices are designed accordingly we can trigger the driver behavior with that so there's a simple metric what you people look at batteries to driver ratio how many batteries to be deployed per driver so today uh, you can say that we are the most efficient in that our batteries per driver what is that ratio for you so for industry the standard is 2 is to 1 one in the vehicle one in the soft station so it's 2 is to 1 for us it is 1.5 okay so and the way you uh, appoint dealers is also based on the data the telematics data you are getting from the driver which shows you what location they are traveling so you will appoint dealers uh, along that route and that's how you've been expanding also absolutely right okay 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 interesting so when did you do your first fundraise there like by the time covid hit you had not done any fundraise right no we didn't we haven't in fact we did our first raise uh, last year december we did okay okay so like during covid you must have got impacted as well right because like even last mile would have dropped because commute to office would have dropped so interestingly uh, the business didn't got affected so badly covid uh, because last while connectivity as i said was a lifeline and after covid the movement was happening even during the second lockdown the charger was completely operational for people to travel from metro to hospitals and everywhere look so since we were uh, our customer base was all driver owned vehicles that's why we our business was not impacted people who were working with the rented fleet operators who went back home their business was not impacted badly okay so uh, by the time you raised your first round uh, and i think you told me you raised your first round in uh, 21 like 2021 so by by that time what was the size of the network how many charge points did you have what were the number of drivers so that time we had from the 70 to 80 stations we had in delhi and uh, on an average each station would be earning about 50000 60000 per month kind of a revenue so uh, what was the fundraise for it was for going beyond delhi for so it was a growth capital you know not going uh, we were still focused on delhi ncr apparently but to expand the network fast to you know spending was more towards the growth side marketing and expansion of network okay so what is the number now like how many charge points up now what is the number of drivers who we have now so so we have now 200 plus stations swap stations where we have 2000 drivers on our platform uh, doing 1 lakh swaps per month and delhi and cr delhi and cr yeah okay okay and you uh, raised 7 million round just now so what was so this round is again to like scale up further like so this is for you know now expanding to the next 10 cities and uh, you know scaling this number from 2000 to 50000 drivers on our platform so yeah, now in fact uh, now we have evolved more into a fintech platform what we say if you see the target audience is the two wheel and three wheel industry all this the delivery segment and the people who are transporting goods and passengers for them demand has never been a problem it's been more the simple and productive life so charge up's mission is to power the growth of this million drivers as a fintech platform the finance network and tech the first thing that we built up was a network a deep distribution network which built up the brand as a trust among the community gave us a lot of data points understood how the energy management needs to be done from there we have evolved into a you know a company where we are also now helping into financing of vehicles so we have onboarded with the top vehicle manufacturers top nbfcs of india who are selling and financing the vehicles through charge up network where we have restructured the whole value chain reduced the interest cost reduced the down payment for the drivers so it's like easy adoption of evs for them okay so like the charge up points are also point of sale for evs now or like how are you doing the financing or somebody can come and say i want a loan and he will get a loan approval and that he will take to a ev point of sale and buy the ev from there oh okay uh, no for the driver there is a single point to showcase this whole model uh, two months back we did a ev mela uh, like a big billion day sale so two days central delhi thousand drivers visited they took the demo of the vehicle there were four different vehicle manufacturers standing with the vehicle they chose the vehicle came to the uh, financing counter with the biometric within one minute their sibil was cleared next was charge up counter they gave the deposit money they gave the documents or the vehicle from there there was a counter of zomato rapido uber where they could choose with whom they need to work ev adoption to employment a complete solution amazing okay okay so you are now not just doing e rickshaws but also two wheelers which are used for 
food delivery absolutely Okay. Okay. So these two wheelers are for delivery. Are they like branded? Like say you have Activa as a EV, but I I don't know if it gets used for food delivery. But who are the companies which make two wheelers which are used for food delivery? A lot. You know, interesting. India has more than four hundred registered manufacturers of two and three wheelers. And uh, two wheeler, if you say starting from Hero Electric to Hero Motors, Okinawa, you know, Aether, there are a lot of companies into that. So your network now has like what is the split? How are are, are there still majority e-rickshaws uh, or is it more two two wheelers or? So currently the majority is e-rickshaw. Two wheelers is slowly slowly carving out its path into this. They're increasing the share over time. I'm guessing two wheeler would be much bigger in the long term, right? Simply because there are more two wheelers on the road. Absolutely. This is a pretty good ecosystem which you have built of helping someone get employment directly. Like essentially, you are enabling someone to become an entrepreneur within a day. See, for us, adoption of EV should be like a mobile phone. That's simple and easy. Uh, just we are just removing all the complications from there and making it simple for them. And the financing, you don't take that on your balance sheet. You are just enabling the NBFCs. Just yeah, enabling yeah. We are utilizing our data. We are utilizing our leveraging our network to you know, make it more efficient. Okay. So for an NBFC, they the risk is offset because they are getting telematics data from the battery because the battery is provided by you. So that gives them absolutely. And you know, EVs is like gadget on wheels. You can immobilize them remotely. You can track them. So it's more under your umbrella. Okay. So th- this EV mela was like a one-time thing. But how do you plan to make it like a Uh, regular thing where i if i want to buy an ev i just go to a charger point and buy an ev but charger points are like tiny right like how do you make it into so you no know, we have different formats of charger points which start from a you know full fledged a station with a 300 400 square feet to different formats of sizes we have okay okay so so the bigger format charger points should also have some ev vehicles available there for display for test drive absolutely like it's like a proper dealership experience you can come do a test drive and book a vehicle and take delivery of it and get a loan and okay okay so you're essentially also then becoming a point of sale so then you have that second revenue stream opening up which is through the sale because you would get that commission on every sale that happens Yeah, uh, trust me. There are multiple revenue streams from financing to sale to service. There are a lot of things. The only thing what we are doing is we are not we are not a capital heavy business. We are not into on the dealership model. It's a new age. You can look like an omni channel, a digital and a physical both. What do you mean you're not into a dealership model? Like you don't buy inventory. That's what you mean. We don't buy inventories. We don't put a station for a specific brand of vehicle. It's like a platform where. different makes of vehicles they come on to sell their vehicle different financiers come to finance it you know we are providing them a digital and a physical setup where our mode is more towards the distribution network the tech what we have okay 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 got it and probably people can order any brand even if the vehicle is not there there would be some way to order it and get delivery like you would yeah. have an online way to order and the person can take delivery from that charger point okay okay so Just help me understand the economics for a charger point now. So, how much would be the earning through sale of vehicle? How much would be the earning through financing solution? And actually, that's a little early to say because this is something we have just started two months back, and uh, we have tied up the various large food tech companies with the vehicle OEMs. And uh, yeah, the numbers are good, but to come to a precise number will take a little time for this. Right, right. But on an average, what's like the commission for an EV sale? Differs completely differs from brand to brand, two to three wheeler differs on that. We are still not the Amazon who can define the commission on our own. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. And this would be a lot more profitable, like the commission on sale, because there's less cost for it. So we don't see it like that, frankly. Uh, we just see that uh, previously we were spending money on every customer. Uh, there was a customer acquisition cost for us. Today, for every customer we acquire, we are earning money. and we have a whole life cycle of energy management for the customer yeah essentially you are becoming the indian oil like a fuel station uh, which is also selling vehicles and what other sources of revenue are there you said about servicing so like you're setting up servicing or no no not servicing so we as i said it's a fine tech platform so the finance is one part network is one part where we are is a revenue generation the tech is more of a enabler and a value creator 
to provide certain convenience to the drivers. So like we have certain non-negotiables or we can say certain constants for the drivers. There should not be surprises for them. One is, you know, the cost of ownership on the pricing front. Second, 100% uptime for the driver. Third, there should not be any waiting time for the driver at any station. Fourth, there should not be any detouring that, you know, they have to detour for three, four kilometers for a swap. So these are the core things where we are maintaining, creating the value for the driver. And in view of that, now the revenues things, currently there are two streams. Tomorrow, there'll be four different streams. What will those four streams be? There can be many. Uh, that can be from the data. That There can be a lot of optimized services for the drivers. But yeah, there will be many, what we believe. Okay, okay. So when a driver buys a vehicle through charge up, they don't need to pay for the battery, right? Because uh, battery is there as a service for them. So, so then the cost of buying a vehicle also would come down for them quite a bit. Because that comes down to 40%. Yeah, battery is a big part of the cost. Okay, amazing, amazing. Okay. So, uh, what's the roadmap now? Like, where do you see charge up after, let's say, like a five year roadmap? Five year roadmap, one million drivers on our platform. Charge up, uh, uh, you can say, next, uh, in, in fact, in the next two years, every food or parcel delivered at your place will be powered by charge up. Are there any other players also in battery swapping? There are a couple of few more players into battery swapping. L- like funded startups? Yeah, yeah, funded startups. Absolutely. Okay. So then what do you see as the differentiation between you and them? Um, firstly, it's the choices what each company makes in terms of the type of network to be built, the type of battery technology to be adopted. And every company chooses their own leadership area like some says i would be leader into e-rickshaw community some says i'll be leader into uh, this specific battery technology we say we'll be will be the area leaders like you know whichever cities we are present will be the king in that city so geography leadership what we say that's one of the differentiation and see it's a very initial days for the industry today in india we have 3 million evs and government is targeting in the next eight years another 80 million so you know in a way we have not even scratched the surface here Secondly, you know, uh, I think uh, the companies doesn't need to be uh, a huge differentiator or uh, innovation. What the industry needs is certain constants, what we just explained for the drivers, as Indigo maintains for its flyers in the airline industry. And is there interoperability between uh, battery swapping companies? Like if I am a user of ChargeUp and I am near a battery swapping station of another company, then can I? Okay. No. Uh, you can't interoperate uh, this between two different energy operators. Uh, interoperability has a second, uh, another meaning is interoperable between two vehicles. Like today our batteries, same batteries are used in two wheelers and three wheelers are the same. But between two different networks, you can't do that. Okay. But I could move from one network to another network by giving back the battery, taking my deposit and then... Yeah, yeah you can. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay. So right now you have only one SKU of battery. That one battery is like a one size fits all. Right. Okay. Okay. And do you see more SKUs being created or? Eventually, yes, it will be created as the market expands and the government also brings certain standardizations. But yes, SKUs will increase. Like what? Based on capacity, like high capacity, low capacity or like uh, based on vehicle compatibility? Not, Not much on the capacity, but more on the vehicle compatibility. And how do you get drivers to go digital? Like in terms of downloading your app and engaging with them through the app. How does that happen? See, firstly, already this, uh, you know, the, the the delivery tech companies and these, they have already converted the drivers into smartphones. So now getting them into a, because our app is not just a, you know, a payment gateway, but it's a service where they get to know how much batteries charge, how much kilometers they can run, what can improve their average of kilometers. Where's in the other swap station? So there are a lot of convenient things. So it's like app which they use on a daily basis. They can plan what time to buy because it would show them dynamic pricing and like what time to swap so that you're able to manage peak loads. And okay, okay, okay. And what is your, so, you know, your first center which you opened, you used an influencer to get more people to sign up. It's probably like a well-oiled machine for you now of getting uh, signups, like onboarding drivers so how do you do that now what is your current way of uh, your go-to-market so we we do a lot of BDL activities from free service camps and uh, you know uh, road shows and all and frankly now we have reached a stage at least in those cities where we are present uh, you know we have a waiting list going on so 5,000 drivers already submitted their documents and waiting for 
us to deploy more batteries or stations for them. Why uh, why a waiting list? Like like, do you need to approve them or? So this industry demand is not a problem. What you need to solve is the supply chain. And uh, supply chain and EV suddenly in last one year the weight has increased. Uh, the demand has increased, and uh, in EVs the supply chain is dependent on a lot of global factors. So, yeah, so there is a supply constraint. So we have to manage and see where to allocate the resources, where to allocate the batteries in this location. Okay. What is the driver onboarding process? What documents do they need to submit? So they have the basic uh, KYC documents. What they do, they do a simple uh, agreement signing and a check deposit with us. And yeah. I think it's a 15-minute process to onboard the driver. Okay. And you need to do that to prevent your risk because you're giving them an asset. So, yeah. So it's like a microfinance where you have to secure and you and here you at least you have a cap. You know how much he's earning because his earning per kilometer is known that, okay, he's earning 12, 13 rupees a kilometer. So if he's doing 100 kilometers a day, he's earning 13, 1400 rupees. Right. Yeah. 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 The risk is a lot more predictable here because you have more data. Predictable and controlled both. So the reason why you don't take on new users is because if you take them on, then shortages will start happening. Like somebody needs to swap and there's no battery available for him. So that's why you're not taking one. That situation, we can uh, let that happen. So we maintain a certain ratio on the batteries to driver ratio. Okay. Okay. So what is the way to increase the supply then? How do you see that getting solved? See, it's it's just a time frame. If you see once... In another year or so, the industry gets a little more stabilized. You know, the demands are more predictable. And already the production capacities are increasing globally. I see the supply chain will be much more sorted in that scenario. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. Got it. And how big are you as an organization? Like, what's your headcount? And what, like, what's the split between people? What do they do? So we are a total of 80 people now. And of course, majority is towards the operational side. Uh, so we have a growth team. We have an ops team and then we have a planning and development team where we have the data team, the tech, marketing. Okay, cool. So any lessons that you'd like to share with aspiring founders? Any Anything you want to offer them as advice? So uh, you'll be persistent, you'll find your way. So this is an updated conversation. Uh, what you heard so far was recorded a couple of months back and I'm with Varun again to talk about Mission Million. Uh, Varun, what is Mission Million? Hi, Akshay. Um, so Mission Million is our mission to power a million EV entrepreneurs in India. If you look at the whole demographic, uh, today there are more than 50 million last mile drivers in India transporting the passengers to delivering of goods. And this is increasing month on month. What these guys are struggling with, these driver community, is that the ICE vehicles, the, the increasing fuel price, but their revenue is not increasing. So that's charge up. We are helping them to achieve three things in their life. One, increase their earnings. Second, reduce their cost of ownership. And third, make them credit worthy. You know, they can access to credit for them. Since they don't have any such civil score, they can get access to good uh, financing solutions to upgrade their livelihood. All this we are doing in a sustainable way through our FindTech platform finance, network, and tech, where we are accumulating the supply and demand both for electric vehicles, two and three wheelers. So we start with network of distribution, swapping, charging. We start addressing first the energy problem for the driver. From there, we started solving the adoption of electric vehicles so that they can easily buy an electric vehicle at a low cost of financing. And lastly, our tech is something which is helping the whole ecosystem from asset safety, asset security, and 100% uptime for the drivers. You know? So our tech is something what we are building completely uh, uh, an AI ML engine of predictive algorithm uh, where we actually track the vehicle behavior, the driver behavior, and the battery behavior. And we can actually, you know, uh, predict in advance that there is going to be any downtime in the vehicle or battery because of various reasons, uh, the patterns. And uh, we have created an underwriting mechanism 
for the technology and for the driver both. So that's something we call as a karma score for the driver based, you know, creating his civil score. How do you track vehicle? Because you have no control over vehicle. You only have control over the battery. So in electric vehicle, the battery uh, is fitted with our uh, IoT device. That's how we track the vehicle and the driver. But, but you would only get like the, the, the geo data, right? Like where is it? How fast is it moving? Uh, Much more than that. Uh, we are almost... So if I talk about only bat from battery, we get uh, uh, 30 different data points. Now, if I extend that to vehicle, about the driver, uh, so the driver behavior is, you know, uh, which routes he's taking, where he's standing idle, how much he's running, how much time he's using brakes, how, at what speed he's driving. So a lot of driving. How do you know when he's using brakes from the battery? How does the battery tell you that he's using brakes? So that's what the, so the battery is a smart battery with a BMS device and the and the vehicle also has a communication protocol. The vehicle and battery speak to each other. Okay. Got it. Very interesting. So this Karma score, uh, does it help the driver to get credit and loans? Uh, like if you have a good Karma score, then or what, what does the Karma score do? Akshay, <clears throat> currently we are building this Karma score for the drivers. Uh, what we have till now achieved is we have been able to reduce their cost of finance uh, by substantially 7 to 8%. That's because we have been to control the whole life cycle of the asset and driver. Here. But as we are building this karma score today, an average driver is eligible for a loan of up to maximum 1.2 lakhs. What will make him eligible is, you know, something beyond 3 lakhs of loan. And interestingly, this community are situational defaulters, not intentional defaulters. So we are mitigating those situations default reasons for these drivers. Okay. Um, how do you reduce 7-8% on their cost of financing? So, cost of financing refers to cost of financing when they buy a vehicle. Correct. And how do you reduce that by 7-8%? So, we have restructured the whole uh, construct of it with the NBFCs. Uh, see, NBFCs were charging somewhere between 30-34% to 34 to the driver. Really? That's that's like unbelievably high. This is extremely profitable business to be in then. <laughs> no, actually, you know, um, but it was not the fault of NBFC as well because they were limited by the issues of the default, which was majorly the situation arising out of the technology, the product, you know. So we kind of stitched all these things together through our fine tech. And we could bring efficiency in that. To average driver who was earning 22,000 per month, uh, at charge up today, he's earning 40,000 per month. Because there is no downtime. His battery is always charged. There is never a time when he has to wait for it to charge or anything like that. That's why. Yeah. And uh, this uh, financing, lower cost of financing happens only when they buy the EV through your EV Melas. Uh, now, now they can buy it through our dealer network as well. Okay, the the dealers also now sell EVs like like they have some some inventory they, they keep some inventory to show and okay not really uh, we have made it much of a you know a frugal models the dealers asset light yeah okay so they have like a tablet where they they can browse the buyer can browse and select and no actually not see the uh, this industry doesn't work in that uh, fashion in fact I don't think so automobiles still there is a experience is required so. There's a central point. He goes for a demo. He takes the ride, and then he reaches out to the, you know, uh, the sales point of the dealer to transact that. And it's not only financing of vehicle. There's also financing of batteries, which currently is not happening in India. So that's something we have been able to crack. And there are already existing almost three million, I would say, electric three wheelers in India, where the struggle is for the battery. Like even the there is no resale value of the vehicle because as the battery consumes 50% of the cost, no one is ready to buy a vehicle with a dead battery. So our solution solves that problem as well. So like someone who has a dead battery, they don't need to buy another battery. They can just rent on a daily basis. They can rent, they can get it financed as well. 
okay 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 right got it got it very interesting um okay and uh give me some idea of what kind of uh, numbers you do currently what does the economics of the business look like you must be sharing some revenue with the uh, franchisees and what revenue comes to you and currently we are present in seven cities uh with uh, 350 stations across we have a registered driver base of 4000 drivers on our platform uh average franchisee who invest a lakh rupees with us uh, he almost recovers that in 6 to 7 months okay and uh, the source of monetization is the battery rent like you uh, you you take a daily rent for the battery or, or like every time you swap a battery there is some charge or like how, how is it monetized just help me understand monetization so akshay um there are three key sources uh, of monetization one uh, is the energy uh, where the driver pays us uh, be it swapping be it charging uh, that's one source second is the financing source uh, on all this financing we have a you know, financing spread over it, where we earn from that. And uh, thirdly is our tech for which the service that you are giving, the OEMs and the NBFCs, they pay us a commission on that. So, you know, we have three separate sources. Okay. Uh, wouldn't most OEMs have their own tech? Like, give me an example of an OEM deal. You can take it uh, Arzu, you can take it Yatri. The, see, I'm talking about... Uh, uh, very focused on the uh, L3 market, the e-rickshaw market. It's, a, it's one of the largest market and uh, most uh, unorganized market. Right, 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 right. Yeah, there are no big funded players uh, in that market. Yeah, means there are the likes of Mahindra, but still uh, that market is dominated by the regional players. Okay, so for these regional players, uh, the smart part of their uh, electric vehicle is powered by you. Absolutely. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in. 